Welcome to the New Visionary Podcast, where you will hear conversations with artists and creative entrepreneurs from around the globe. From art and creativity to education and business, this podcast features discussions with some of the most inspirational visionaries in today's art world. I'm your host, Victoria J. Fry, and I can't wait to get started. Let's dive in. Hey everyone, and welcome back. Today we're here with Marina Press Granger. Marina is the founder of the Artist Advisory. She has been helping artists navigate the art world, sort of like a guidance counselor for artists. And Marina has worked in New York City galleries since 2004. And while she's worked with some really awesome people, she has also worked with some not so awesome people. She has seen a lot of really talented artists get the runaround, which led her to start her company, The Artist Advisory, which helps artists get in front of the right people while staying authentic to their intention. I am so excited to chat with Marina today. Can't wait for you to learn more about her as well. I cannot wait to chat with you, Marina. I'm so excited you are here. I've had the pleasure of knowing you for about six months now, and it has just been so wonderful. Has it only (laughs) been six months? I feel like I've known you forever. You know what? I think it's one of those things where you meet someone and you feel like you've known them for years because that is truly how I feel with you. And getting to know you more and on a deeper level has been not only amazing, but so inspiring as well. And I want to start by asking you, you know, like I said, you have been in the art world for a long time, 2004, I mean, many years ago. So tell us how your journey started and... (laughs) Let's just dive right in. How did it start for you? Oh, well, Victoria, I, first of all, I cannot believe it was since 2004. Uh, I feel like uh, I'm ready for like retirement uh, because that was a long time ago. But really, it started even before that. I got to tell you, the reason I even was interested in galleries and wanted to be in the art world was because I was so curious when I was a kid. I would walk into museums and I would see all of this art on the wall. And my big question was, how did it get up there? Who decided what to put on the walls? That was really, and I wanted to know also what was behind those walls. And so I didn't know. I didn't know what the job was called. I didn't know what the possibilities were, but I knew I wanted to get down to the the bottom of this. Who decides what goes into a museum? And from that, I decided to pursue a bachelor's in art history many years later uh, when I, well, about 11 years later, right, when I entered college. And I when I was in college, I started working in galleries in my sophomore year, or maybe it was my junior, junior year. And the reason I started so early was because I always had a job, right? I've been working since I want to say, I don't want to get anyone in trouble, but since I was 12 years old, I came here from the Soviet Union as a Soviet Jewish refugee in 1991. And my parents really instilled a very strong work ethic in me that 
pointed me to getting a job as soon as possible. So when I was in college, I thought, hey, you know, I don't have to work retail. I can actually work in a gallery because there are so many galleries in New York and I'm getting a bachelor's degree in art history. So maybe they'll hire me. So I started off uh, doing a couple of internships and from there, it just never really stopped. I loved it so much. And the coolest part was getting to meet all the artists. So from starting in small galleries, doing internships, I think my first one was in a gallery in Tribeca. And I actually saw the gallery owner uh, while I was a gallery director uh, in many years later. And he wanted to uh, I think buy something from our gallery for his client or whatever. And he didn't even remember me. <laughs> oh um, but he was very flattered that I remembered him. <laughs> so from working in and doing a few internships, uh, I went on to work as an assistant in galleries and then eventually became a director. And I worked in one museum as well. <laughs> so that was really fun. That is so cool. And I think amazing to get all of that experience under your belt. Like before you even graduated from college, you were already, you know, in the galleries. And what would you say your favorite part or perhaps the most Im impactful part of your experience was? You know, I got to say, while my work experience in galleries was really impactful because I saw so many amazing artists have so much success and they had so much success without them being the most famous artists. Not, you don't have to be Picasso to make a very good living as an artist and to feel fulfilled. And that was so impactful to me when I was working in galleries, there was an artist who uh, literally, she sent us a submission. And when we called her, she said, if you hadn't called me today, I'd be selling my paintings in on the street in Union Square for $40. And I think the first painting we sold of hers was $5,000. And by the time, you know, from what I last remember, her large works were going for close to 60000 And this is an artist who did not have a CV. This is an artist who, uh, when she came to us, she didn't really have a CV. She did not speak very good English. She was from a different country and moved here kind of later in life and had the world at her fingertips afterward. So, it was so impactful to be able to see the possibilities of that. Absolutely. And it sounds like from what you're saying, it perhaps debunked some of these common myths and misconceptions that I'm sure are still around today and that yeah. many of us still believe, whether it's yeah. conscious or subconscious. So that actually leads me to one of the questions that I wanted to ask you, which is, what have you seen artists achieve despite common misconceptions? I mean, that is such a great example. Um, but what other examples come to mind when you think about, you know, these you know, misconceptions? You know, it's, I think it's really important to acknowledge the artists that go on to receive their MFAs and have achieved so much uh, because that is really important. But 
and it's very valuable. But I want you all to know that there's no rule book to what you have to achieve before you actually get that solo show, before you make that big sale. I have worked with artists who are not represented by galleries, but for example, one of the artists I work with, one of their very first large sales for a very new body of work that they're doing is in the mid five figures. Wow. And this artist does not have a gallery. And that's a big misconception that you need a gallery to sell something like that. But ultimately, you are the only one who decides what permission you get to do whatever it is that you want to do. And another thing I've seen is one of the artists I've worked with who only has only, right? But this is a big accolade, has a BFA in art and fine art from a great institution. And you would think, oh, well, how did this person achieve this? This artist has a gallery on each of the coasts in, in New York and in LA, has sold out every show so far, has only started seriously showing in galleries in 2018. So that's only four years ago and has a wait list for available work, has already exhibited her work at major art fairs, like the big ones, right? Like the Armory and the main art fair here where I, I'm in Florida right now for Art Basel, Miami Beach, uh, and Miami Art Week. Uh, so at Art Basel. And this person does not have, you know, a, a degree from Yale, right? But they're having a wonderful time. And that's another big misconception that if you want to exhibit at these art fairs, if you want to sell your work, uh, sell it out at, or sell have a sold out show, right? I don't want to say you want to sell out, right? Because you definitely don't want to sell out. I'm all about being authentic and selling without selling, well, selling out without selling out. Uh, but this is someone who, you know, on paper, you wouldn't think what this would happen. But because they are so true to their intention, they live and breathe their intention and their work and truly listen to what is going on and are really tapped in she's or this artist is able to achieve so much what i'm saying is whoever is listening you can do it you just have to give yourself permission to start to do it thank you for sharing that i think it's so inspirational to hear these stories because i know that you know, as an artist who went to art school and followed a more traditional path, and of course, I'm in a slightly different role now with VAC, but so many of these um, just common misconceptions and myths are still, I think, being perpetuated. And so many of us still believe them because it, over time, it gets subconsciously ingrained into you. And I think one of the things that stood out when you were speaking and sharing this story is that it truly does come down to our mindset. It comes down to our intention and it comes down to this unwavering belief in ourselves 
and our ability to sell work that we love to people we love and to have these amazing experiences. So thank yeah. you for sharing that. Well, can I add, I, you know, yeah. you bring up a wonderful point about mindset and as artists, one of the biggest misconceptions and even not being an artist, but wanting to work in the art world, I heard this when I was growing up, there's no money in the art world. You know, you're, it's going to be a nice hobby, but you should have a real job, right? This is something that is ingrained in us when we're very young when we first pick up a crayon or think, okay, well, I want to be an artist. And many, many people have heard this. And because they've heard it so much when they were kids, it is now, it's programmed into them. So when it's programmed into your mind, you tend to believe it. You know, your mind is a wonderful muscle, but it has muscle memory, right? And it believes believes what you tell it. And so when you start to think over and over again, that yes, okay, it's a nice hobby and it's really difficult to make money as an artist, then you fall into that misconception and you make it true. But ultimately, I want you to know that your word is your wand and your mind will believe everything you tell it. There was a wonderful book written in like 1929 called Your Word is Your Wand. And it's a little kooky when you listen to it, but it's great. But this is a book that really uh, starts to tap into neuroplasticity, which is super important in reframing your mindset, which will allow you to achieve what you didn't think you could achieve before. So I couldn't really get into it, but I just want you to know identify any limiting beliefs that you have around this common misconception that you have to be a starving artist. You don't have to be a starving artist. And also, you don't need to be a very famous artist to make a living as an artist. You could be a very famous artist if you want. Yeah, but there are so many possibilities. And I think that's what, like, one of the amazing things that you're speaking about is there are so many possibilities. There's so many different ways to be an artist. Cause I think that's another misconception is like, and I know that that was something that was ingrained into me from art school was like, there's one path that you take. If you do want to show in the galleries, if you do want to be widely recognized for your art, then you need to follow this path. And I feel like we live in a time now where I truly think this is like the first time in history. I mean, it is the first time in history where as artists, we have this ability to use social media to advocate for ourselves, to sell work directly on our own, in addition to selling work through a gallery. Like we have so many options. There's so many routes to get to the same destination. So, you know, what's wonderful is that you say, and, and I hear it in your voice and in your rhetoric, you're like, well, you know, there's too many, too many, too many. And, or there's many. And there, what I want to say is there are many opportunities out there. This is another common misconception that only a chosen few can achieve something. I'm just going to put it into perspective, right? Last time I checked, which this could be a different number by now, there are 8 billion people in the world. Last time I checked, okay? 
Now, I know that there are many unfortunate people in the world who are not in the position to buy art, right? But there are also many people in the world who are in the position to buy art. And it's a high percentage. And think about all the homes out there and all the walls out there that need artwork. And there are literally, there's over a thousand galleries alone in New York City. And they each represent at least, or on the low end, 15 to 20 artists, but on the high end, sometimes up to 70 or 100, depending on the type of gallery. So what I want to say to you guys listening there, don't think that it's just for the chosen few. So artists, you're out there, you're listening. Think about how much, not how few. There's so much opportunity out there. There's so much for you to go, so much to go around, right? I'm here right now in Florida for Hard Basel, Miami Beach. There are close to 100,000 people that just come to Miami for this event, right, for this week. So there's a lot of traffic, (laughs) but there's also a lot of art, a lot of art sales, and that's just a small fraction of the art world. It's it's so inspiring to hear this because it I think the more that we have this kind of recognition in terms of everything you're saying like thinking about the art limiting beliefs and identifying them and really taking time to think like what have I been taught about the art world that is really not true um it's going to propel us forward as artists and it starts with mindset and this idea that there is enough and it, it goes back to abundance mindset, which I know you are very passionate about and just believing like there is enough, there's enough opportunity. And I think it used to also be like, not to say this doesn't exist anymore because I think there will always be competition no matter what field you're in, but you don't need to compete with other artists, you know, celebrate their successes when they are succeeding, recognize that, it's showing that it's possible for you. So Marina, I want to pivot a little bit because I also want to learn more about the programs that you teach for artists. And, you know, you launched the Artist Advisory. That is your company where you are so dedicated to working with artists, to helping them transform their mindsets, but also teaching them really practical tools and skills that they need to succeed So can you tell us a little bit about what led you to start the Artist Advisory and how your journey has been? I was so, uh, sometimes I'm like, what do I say first? Because I have so many thoughts in my mind. I'm like, who do I, where do I start? So I'm going to start at the very, very beginning, which is probably um, close to 15 years before I started the uh, Artist Advisory. I walked into a New York City gallery uh, because Uh, as part of um, one of the seminars I was in, uh, in college, uh, I had to do actual like physical art market research to see what the galleries were like, what all the neighborhoods were like. And that really informed me so much. But I walked into a gallery called OK Harris. And OK Harris has been in the Soho neighborhood of New York City for 
many, many years since the early 1970s. And next door uh, was uh, the very famous Leo Castelli gallery that we hear about that showed Roy Lichtenstein and Robert Rauschenberg. And the two gallery owners, Leo Castelli and Ivan Karp, were really good friends, right? And eventually Leo Castelli, I believe, moved. But I walked into OK Harris and I was looking around the gallery and I saw there was this, you know, this big, tall desk and you couldn't see who was sitting behind it really, but you kind of see the top of their heads. So uh, I'm looking around by the desk and an artist walks in and brings in their portfolio. And when they bring in their portfolio, the person behind the desk actually gets up, looks through it and says, okay, well, this is great, but you haven't found your voice. There's no consistency in the work. So once you find your consistency, come back and I'll take a look at it again. Because if you bring me work like this uh, and I find collectors for it, but then you start making different work, I'm going to have a hard time selling it. And the collectors who bought it are going to have a hard time understanding your voice as an artist going forward, right? And within, it was like less than five minutes that this happened. And I was blown away. It was actually Ivan Karp, the owner, this legendary art dealer who gave this advice to an artist who came in without an appointment off the street. Now to you artists listening, this never happens uh, ever anymore. Ivan Karp has passed away. And I've told this story to his widow when I saw her at I think the Century Club for an art uh, exhibition opening. And she said to me, she goes, I'll tell him when I see him. (laughs) And it was so cute. But That really, really inspired me. And so when I was working as a gallery director uh, for many years, I would always, even though I knew that I didn't have to, and I had all these other things to do, if an artist did walk in with their portfolio or something, I would look at it because I understood it would only take me a few minutes and it would give them so much valuable guidance. So that really, that was like at the very core of why I started this business, but why I started it when I did is also very, very important. And it offers a lot of insight on what is going on in the art world right now. I started my business after the 2016 election. So in officially in 2018, I started my business. And the reason I did that was because I realized that all of a sudden, artists had so much more power than they ever have ever in the history of art before. And the reason is because they're able to connect to anyone and everyone online. And it's up to them how they want to present themselves online. It's up to them how they want to uh, show their work online and ultimately curate their image so they can curate their careers. And this is something that was very, very new with social media. Now, social media started probably in the early, uh, early aughts. 
uh, and you know, if you want to count my space before then, (laughs) but, uh, (laughs) but when it came to Instagram, uh, this was the peak of Instagram. This was the peak of Facebook too. And what used to happen in the art world is you needed a somebody who would open up doors for you, whether it was the faculty at your MFA program, whether it was uh, a residency that you did, or a curator that you knew, or a family member, or uh, a, a gallerist, most likely, right? As a gallerist, I would open up doors for artists. I would connect them with people. But because of the internet, artists now don't always need those gatekeepers. Those gatekeepers always, always help when you have them. And they're still very powerful in the art world. But you can get a huge leg up without them, right? And so that is why I started my business when I did. And ultimately, like you said in the beginning, it's because I saw so many talented artists get the runaround, fall victim to these common myths, myth conceptions, misconceptions. I think I just made up a word, myth conceptions. Uh, We'll trademark that. Um, And it really, it just made me so upset. And I was like, what can I do about it? I can make up a business. And I thought to myself, well, I guess I'm young enough that if it's a mistake, I can still bounce back. (laughs) I was like, if this business is not going to work, I can always do something else. I'm still young enough. But uh, I've now been doing this business for almost five years officially. And it has brought me so much joy to do this and to work with so many artists so closely and get to know them and see what happens. I mean, it brings me so much joy when I read in a magazine about one of the artists that I worked with. It, it's so cool. It's just the coolest thing. It's incredible. And I was going to say, like, not only has your business not been a mistake, it has grown exponentially it has flourished. It is continuing to grow and expand. And you have worked with so many artists. I think it's like well over a hundred artists, right? In the last oh, five years, yeah, yeah, hundreds, probably more than that. And so, I mean, you mentioned that it's a, it's such a treat and such a joy when you read about these artists that you've worked with and you see them becoming so successful. What would you say are some other highlights of working with artists and doing the kind of work that you're doing? I know this sounds, it's almost like self-serving, but I, I live for a DM that I got in my Instagram where it's like, Marina, guess what? You said this, I did this, and this happened. And I, my mind is blown, you know? And so it really, you know, one of the artists that I work with, she was sort of painting seriously when she started working with me. And because we really worked on her intention and And let me tell you about that. That's so, so important because when I was working in 
galleries, I would go to art fairs and I had to introduce, you know, if there's somebody who's interested in artwork, I would have to introduce the artist in under a minute, right? And get their attention. So, or else they'd walk away, you know, and look at some other booth, right? Uh, Now, what I'm saying is the story that I would tell them is what I call an elevator pitch. And it really hones in and ties into the intention. And I'll tell you this. I really realized that when I told people why the artists did what they did, then I would tell them what, why the perspective of the artist was so important. And then what they did, right? And then explain the artwork. That was the biggest hit, right? That really made people remember what the work was about. They would tell other people about it because they thought it was a cool story. That's how storytelling works. And then that resulted in the most interest and that resulted in the most sales. And so back to my story. So I started working with this artist on figuring out her intention and specifically why her perspective was so important. And her perspective was so important because she went and got a degree, um, an advanced degree in uh, developmental psychology. And when she would paint these hyper-realistic portraits, she was looking at micro-expressions. But she realized that those micro-expressions, you know, yes, she was interested in them, but she's interested really in the nuances of developmental psychology and how is that going to translate to her work so she developed a new body of work that was so exciting for her to do she was like literally in her zone of genius when she was doing this and she started to paint and you guys may know this artist but I won't say her name uh, because I you know I want to make sure that everything is as confidential as possible but she started to paint young beauty queens that were, you know, like toddlers and tiaras, so to speak. So she would paint uh, them without their faces, but with their body movements and their very cute dresses and their tiaras. And you wouldn't see the face of the print, you know, the beauty queen because the expression on their face wasn't what was important. It was the act of being a beauty queen. And what goes into the pressures around that on both sides, right, of the parent and also the beauty queen. And this was amazing because all of a sudden, she, her perspective was so important. She was an expert in it. And then what she was interested in made sense with that perspective. And then what she made were just beautiful paintings. And after she did this, so this in all of this in a few months, right? Although she just started to paint these paintings because they're hyper-realistic. So they take a very, very long time. So she wasn't even done with the very first painting when she got the attention of a very good New York City gallery, like a very, very cool New York City gallery that decided to take her artwork to a big art fair in LA this February. So this was amazing. This artist is self-taught 
right? Well, not fully self-taught. She studied with other painters, but she didn't go to get an MFA. And her work is priced in um, the low five figures, but that's still five figures. That's amazing, right? So that was exciting for me to see. And that was all because she worked on her intention. And that's why it's so important to stay true and authentic to your intention. Oh my goodness. I'm so inspired after hearing that story. Like it's such a beautiful example of what can happen. Like you're saying, when we get that clarity and we really, I think the first part is getting clear on your intention. And the next part is putting it into action and showing up and doing the work. And, um, and I love that. And thank you for sharing that. Um, I wanted to ask you, because as you're sharing all of these great tips, you know, regarding mindset and how to shift your mindset and, and all of that, what are a few tips that you might give or a few suggestions you might have really just nuggets of wisdom for our listeners? Because most of our listeners are artists. We have listeners who are emerging mid-career, advanced career, um, but what kind of tips would you give to artists right now who are looking to increase visibility for their work, looking to get to that next level in their career? What are a few practical things that they can do mm-hmm. to help kind of propel them forward? So it's so important for you to understand who your audience is. We don't really think about audience uh, It's not something that's taught when you're learning how to, you know, when you're in art school or ever, right? It's only really taught in business, right? You want to think about who your audience is because that ultimately will increase your visibility. Now, let me get into this. This is one very practical tip that is so dynamic that you can really apply this in so many ways, right? And it's at the very core of what I do. So let me explain. So once you figure out the story behind your work, right? The intention, you are going to think about who cares about the sort of thing, right? What type of person cares about the sort of thing? Whether it's a collector that is really interested in the type of uh, abstract work that you do because you're reevaluating form and composition and materials and mark making, or whether you are looking into developmental psychology, right? Who is going to be interested in that sort of thing? Now, if you find an The best way to describe this is if you're making paintings of puppies, you can't sell them to people, to cat people, right? You might be able to sell them. You might be able to sell them to cat people because they're such beautiful paintings and that's great. But what you need is somebody who's going to amplify your voice, right? You need an amplifier. And so the way that you find that amplifier is you figure out what kind or who out there, right? You want to find someone who has an audience that will resonate with your work. So a very easy example, all of you listening right now, Victoria today is my amplifier. She has you as her audience 
And Victoria and I, we have the same message, right? Or a very similar message. And it makes sense for her to amplify me to you. And vice versa, Victoria, I can't wait to have you on my podcast. Right? But as artists, you know, and you mentioned earlier, uh, Victoria, you mentioned competition. It's so important for you to understand that when you're, there's no such thing as competition between artists. It doesn't make sense because when group shows are put together, they're usually put together based on a theme, right? Because they're all going to attract the same type of person who's going to come and look at that show because of that theme. Whether it's because it's American art at the Whitney from 1960 or the 1960s, right? Like, let's say they would have a show about that. Or if it has to do with something more uh, related to the subject of the work. So your goal is to sit down and think to yourself, what are the themes in my work? And who is interested in those themes? And who that's interested in those themes has a large audience, whether it's another artist, whether it's an institution, whether it's a curator, right? There are some curators that really focus on a certain theme in their work. And from there, you make that connection with them. And I think it's important to make a connection that's very authentic. You can make a connection by following them on Instagram, by responding authentically to their stories and their posts, maybe sharing some of their posts in your stories and saying, yes, Victoria said it right, you know? And from there, you will grow your audience and you will get more opportunity. So it very, it's a very broad, practical tip. But I think because it's so broad, there are so many creative ways you can work with this because especially because you all of you listening are very creative that's your job (laughs) I love that I think it's so important and also yeah we live in a time where social media is such an incredible tool for us as artists so this idea of networking through social media in a way that is authentic is it's something that can easily be done and you know, it reminds me of a conversation I had with Sergio about this a few months ago, where he was also sharing a similar suggestion of just like, listen, if you want to connect with curators, you know, social media is a great place to do that because you can build these authentic connections and you can build relationships through it. And it doesn't have to be a huge investment in time either. Like you are saying, respond to a story or share a few posts in your stories, like take a few minutes, but it's about being intentional with the time that you have and starting to cultivate those relationships. So yeah, my goodness. Thank you so much, Marina. You know, you give such amazing advice. You cover so much ground and that's what I love about your approach. You touch on the mindset because that's really the root of it. And you share tips for how we can improve our mindset and become clear with our intentions but you also share really great practical tools and skills that are necessary as well. And so you have this amazing way of um, 
you know, helping artists to get to where they want to be through that approach. And I want to thank you so much for coming on today, for joining me. I, I always feel so inspired after hearing you talk or having a conversation with you, but I want to turn it over to you before we wrap up. Are there any final thoughts that you would like to share? And also, where can we find you? Where can we learn more about the Artist Advisory? All included in the show notes, but feel free to tell us as well. Thank you. So um, one last thing I want to share is, you know, I'm here in Miami for the art fairs, and I think it's so important for all of you to understand the importance of art fairs. You might think like, what are, what's the point of like going to art fairs if I'm not showing in one? Art fairs are little microcosms of the art world. They are all the different niches of the art world. And once you find an art fair that you really resonate with the work at, you're going to find your niche, right? So that's really important. But I look forward to hearing from all of you, you know, to find connecting with you guys online. You can visit me on my website, which is www.theartistadvisory.com or find me on Instagram at the underscore artist underscore advisory. Thank you so much for having me on, Victoria. This was such a pleasure. Thank you for joining me, Marina. Always a pleasure. And thank you everyone for tuning in today. We'll see you next time. Thank you for tuning in and supporting our platform. To learn more about New Visionary Magazine, head over to visionaryartcollective.com magazine. You can order individual copies on Amazon or subscribe annually to digital issues. We also have opportunities to get featured in the magazine, so be sure to join our newsletter and follow us on Instagram. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to leave a review on iTunes or tag us on Instagram. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.